Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald at New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. I would not be here month in and month out for the past six years without the generous support of our sponsors. And I want to tell you about them and please check out their websites and check their products out. Biotics Research. For over 40 years, the foundation of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Rupa Health. They make lab testing easy, fabulous, doable for both you, the clinician, and you, the person being prescribed the lab, the patient. Consider using Rupa as just a super, super, super smart solution to all your laboratory needs. Visit them at rupahealth.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And today, of course, is no exception. I couldn't be more excited to uh, have with me here Dr. Charles Sirhan um, out of Harvard. He is, of course, you know, uh, the scientist who discovered specialized pro-resolving lipid mediators, uh, compounds that we're using in clinical practice that we're very, very interested in, in, in the world of functional medicine. And I get to pick his brain uh, today. I have pinged him to podcast for a while, so I'm just super excited. And with him, actually, let me give you his background, and then I'll introduce you to um, uh, Dr. Salsener over here as well. So so Dr. Sirhan is the Simon Gelman Professor of Anesthesiology at Harvard. He's also Professor of Oral Medicine and Infection and Immunity at Harvard. Uh, he's the Director of the Center for Experimental Therapeutics and Reperfusion Injury at Brigham and Women's Hospital and past Co-Director of the Brigham Research Institute. His he is currently program director of the program project entitled Resolution Mechanisms in Acute Inflammation Resolution Pharmacology. He's received a ton of awards. I did just too numerous to mention. You can see on the show notes if you really want to know. And he is just a top, top, top sided researcher. No great surprise there for all the fabulous publications in really building this field. And then Dr. Sulsener is a MD. She's a general surgery resident focusing in oncology surgery at Boston, in Boston, and currently a research fellow at, the, at Dr. Sirhan's lab uh, in the Center for Experimental Therapeutics and Reperfusion Inju in Injury. Their recent commentary entitled Resolution Medicine in Cancer, Infection, Pain, and Inflammation, Are We on Track to Address the Next Pandemic, was published in Cancer uh, and Metastasis Reviews. Her research focuses on the role of resolution of inflammation and tumor recurrence. I am very honored and excited to have both of you with me today. Welcome to New Frontiers. Thank you so much. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, it's uh, fun to be here. Thank you so, for the kind introduction. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Tell So for our audience, and, you know, as I mentioned to you before, a lot of these folks are clinicians. We're using mm -hmm. SPMs in practice now. So we're going to want to get into that, kind of dig in a little bit deeper, but just define them, you know, what they are. And, you know, honestly, how did you come to study them? Like, how did you figure this out? I mean, this is a huge discovery. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, like most things, like in the, in, <clears throat> this is truly serendipitous. I'll give it to you in a 30 second snapshot. It's my personal mission to improve treatments around inflammatory diseases. This is Interesting. what I think I was meant to do in life, okay? So I, <clears throat> was doing an experiment um, asking a very simple, basic, fundamental question about pus in a mouse. Like, where does it go? How does it resolve? Okay. And people thought before that, that inflammation and the recruitment of leukocytes, because we're really interested in how leukocytes get to the site of action, how they do their job to protect us from microbes. How do they get out? Where do they go? What's the endogenous mechanism? And I felt that there had to be endogenous mechanisms because each time you got challenged, you get a little pimple, like think on the back of your hand, it goes away. The little pustule will go away. Uh -huh. So there had to be some sort of self-limiting side to that. Well, the luck part of it, the serendipity is that uh, the experiment was done in mice and the mice were well-fed and I had to backtrack. I got these molecules that had this ability to stop leukocytes from adhering to the vascular endothelium. That was the model that we were using to test different fractions from the pus. And so in backtracking, oh, the precursor, omega-3, so the mice were eating a diet that the veterinarians had already figured out wow. was beneficial to them. Yes, so in our very first paper on this topic, which goes back a ways now, it's kind of buried into the methods, but 30 to one, 30 times more omega fatty acids present huh. in the chow versus omega-6. Wow. And so when I tried to recapitulate that system to figure out how do human cells make, um, so we used hypoxic uh, chamber, a hypoxia chamber with vascular endothelial cells co-incubated with neutrophils. And, and so that's how the E-series resolvents were born and that's how the D-series resolvents were born. And then systematically, we do the structural elucidation and the look for their bioactions because we have in vivo models. And then to confirm all that, total organic synthesis. And then I was really lucky again to have a program project team, which is a project from NIH where it's multiple groups working together. And, and I could lead the mission there. And then I got a P50 Center grant from NIH on resolution of oral inflammation. And 
was able to start working with uh, the periodontists and wow. and demonstrate in animal models all the way up now to humans that pro-resolving mediators can resolve, can stimulate the resolution endogenous mechanisms in humans to resolve inflammation. And we think this is very important. And my colleague, Tom Van Dyke, periodontist, carried out the clinical trial. Um, I just made the mouth rinse, <laughs> carrying the pro-resolving <laughs> mediator. And it's impressive. And I hope it goes forward. Why? Because in the oral cavity, if you have a little inflammation, it begins to open the barrier. This is a mucosal barrier. And then we get more bacteria circulating. We're challenging the innate immune system. And those barriers, as you know, are very important. The blood-brain barrier, the oral barrier, and... And that seems to be one of the functions of the SPMs to tighten up the barriers. Oh, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. The blood brain barrier, the oral barrier, yeah. the gastrointestinal, like what about the lung barrier? Like all of them? Yes, all of yes. them. And we've, wow. done the, we've done the lung <laughs> with the new chief of uh, wow. pulmonary here, Dr. Levy. And he studied with me early on and we've studied, right, the edema. And starting with very simple models like the mouse ear, just looking at leak, we could visually see that if we add the SPMs topically, we wouldn't get leak that we could measure by fluorescence or tripan blue. This little mouse ears turn blue, very easy signal. <laughs> but the important part of the SPMs that you have and you're available to came again by luck. Okay. Because yeah, so, we have like a, a precursor SBM, that's like a parent right. SBM, right? So those precursors are <clears throat> the, the products that are made by the vascular endothelium and when in humans. And when human leukocytes come by, primarily the neutrophils, they pick them up and they convert them to the very potent SPMs. So I just happened to have a colleague who worked in fish. And when we came up, is a fish hematopathologist. So when this came up, I sent the people in my lab, so, oh, we better go study the anchovies. If this is where omega-3s are isolated from, from for commercial purposes, and we found that in the anchovies, yeah, they have the 17 HDHA, 18E. And then I turned to my, my friend and we looked in the trout and we looked in the trout brain and the trout hit kidney, head kidney gland is really the hematopoietic organ of, of, of fish. And they're of the more potent SPMs are produced, like Resolve in D5, Resolve in D1. And, um, and what happens, again, just by luck, I, <clears throat> I, I, you can hear that I'm from the molecular side of the universe. And this was dark matter. This didn't exist before. Yeah. So 
I was very excited about it and my colleagues were excited. So we, oh, we're gonna make a startup because this is, as you know, most of the non-steroidals and in the current treatments, the pharmacopoeia for treating inflammation, all antagonists and inhibitors. Yes. Which have some unwanted side effects. So it's like, oh, this is a new way. We're going to stimulate resolution. We're going to go out and do it. We're going to yeah. knock them dead. Well, it was a lesson for me <laughs> that even with positive 263, I think patients it was, treated with uh, a resolving E1 analog eye drop, mm-hmm. positive results. Um, the business guys couldn't get it together to make it happen, to make everybody happy. And I was only caring about the science and improving people. So it was a lesson to me. However, that molecule, Resolvany one is advancing uh, from Good. the work from uh, Thetis. Thetis emphasizes that they make resolvents druggable and they are doing that. Okay. Both in for IBD, they'll be doing a clinical trial in IBD and in in cancer as well. Mm-hmm. So we wish them luck and hope that it happens because our other mission, which is the overarching mission, and I know that <clears throat> Megan can agree with this, our mission is to save as many people as possible, to help as many people as possible. And so since the drug traditional drug group took so long the next good luck step for me was to run into people who did co2 purification from marine oils and that was a group in spain and we isolated a fraction with them that was very rich in 17 hdha and Mm -hmm. 17 heat, so you're, you're going a little bit further down the pathway. It's about 100 times more potent than just taking DHA or EPA itself. But 17 wow. is very potent in, re, in reducing pain. And 18 is ve- on its own. Uh, subsequent studies from, by other investigators. And 18, aside from just being a precursor, also has... Uh, cardiovascular beneficial effects, nice papers from groups in, in Japan. Awesome. So I like the SPMs because you're, 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 if you have a little bit of inflammation going on, I want to emphasize this point because this is really key. And we all have a little bit because mm-hmm. acute inflammation is protective. So we, we're, we're, we're well, the aging this- journey kicks in inflammation i mean it's part of the deterioration as well so that we don't that we don't want (laughs) well you're right but uh you know um when you have a little bit going on uh, i'll give you another point about the aging okay the the leukocytes that are around will convert the spm precursors to the local molecule that's bioactive and it's doing its thing right on site and that's why i like it yeah Mm -hmm. so so you're right about the aging you get you get more debris Mm -hmm. and you have to clear that debris out an aging organ right 
but some of the very cool research now is all directed towards how SPMs are regulating stem cells. Oh my gosh. Wow. Muscle mm-hmm. stem Amazing. cells. Really? Out of, yeah, it's it's nice, <laughs> nice results. Well, from, we'll link to those. We'll link to those studies. My my team will 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 harvest them. That's awesome. We'll put them on the show notes, folks. Yeah, nice. There's That's a wonderful cool. yeah. group in, in in Canada that has discovered that one of our most favorite resolvents was D2 because it's so potent mm-hmm. stimulates muscle stem cell amazing and that could be very useful in Duchenne's muscular dystrophy other and the neurodegenerative diseases are all benefiting from uh, and you know the, the, the even the psychiatrists they say oh brain on fire right and that leads to depression, doing nice studies with EPA and DHA. Our chief here at Mass General Brigham, um, Maurizio Fava, published on EPA reducing depression and leading to a dose-dependent increase in E-series resolvents. Oh, is that uh, right? Nice. Gotta love it. Gotta yeah. love it. It's because incredible. It's, Moving I mean, out in all directions. Thank God yeah. for thank God for veterinary designed, you know, mouse chow. Jeez Louise. Yeah. I mean, just because that happened to be 30 to 1, you the discovered Yankee schools are way ahead of us because they've been watching what how do we optimize the herd? Yeah. Not mm-hmm. only for their health, but for the economics of it as well. So yes, we were Yes, that's right. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, this is Nobel material. It's just exquisitely important. Well, I'm um, going to Stockholm next week for a special symposium. And, I, and I have to say, not, <laughs> but my mentor, one of my mentors was a Nobel laureate. And I did get a chance to go as a kid. And nice. that's like a fairy tale. But yeah. Samuelson, he received this Nobel for the prostaglandin structural elucidation. And that's how I learned oh. that work. And, and my other mentor, I got to give a plug to is Jerry Weissman, and he was a guru at NYU of his rheumatology and inflammation. So, so we- Fabulous. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. I mean, it's just so, so, so appreciative. So I want to just sketch a little bit of background, and then I just want to jump over to to you, Megan, and just talk about your extraordinary work getting, being in the swimming in this pond for the last decade, and your work in cancer. So, so for folks- the resolve the the specialized for resolving lipid mediators the SPMs are primarily derived from EPA and DHA um, the you know our classic omega threes the reason that we're all taking fish oil um, I know that arachidonic acid produces lipoxin which kicks these guys on so we want a little background you got it um, but we always but we're dwarfed by arach- human humans are dwarfed with arachidonic acid so we don't need to be supplementing with this we need to be bumping up our EPA and DHA and then these resolvents are, are I'm sorry I'm just in the habit of using that that colloquialism these SPMs like these, these <laughs> SPMs are I mean how many are how many have you characterized are there hundreds would you say or like well it's still the tip of the iceberg um, yeah. because um yeah, even though we found three different families of molecules, these are the ones that come from lipids. But then we learned that there are gases that are involved in, in resolution wow. and peptides, and they all interact. Like mm-hmm. some resolvents turn on 
local um, heme one oxygenase makes a little local carbon monoxide resolves inflammation. It's a very complex system. Incredible. It's just the beginning. But this, you know, this, we have a global sort of, you know, man-made, you know, deficiency of these omega-3s. And so we yeah. see, mm-hmm. yeah. inc- you know, just incredible inflammation that's not being resolved. You've, you, you famously said chronic inflammation is the failure of resolution. And all of us are operating with a deficit of these. Um, so there's many of them. It's the tip of the iceberg and these, they're, and they're tissue specific. So there's the neuroprotectants, you know, there's the resolvents just, I mean, behaving in different ways and in, in, in different tissue. And they're all coming from omega, you know, EPA and DHA. And so we want to make sure we have enough in our, in our red blood cells, which we can readily wow. measure. Cara, you make me so happy to hear how much <laughs> you know. That makes me feel like it's been worthwhile. It's Thank I you. well, it's I we well, well let me you're appreciated in the functional medicine world. We get it, you know, we get how important this is. So um one of my questions to you, and then I I you know, I'm envious that you got to spend a decade studying this, Megan. I'm just, and I, but, but I'm also super appreciative of the fact that you're focusing on cancer um, because everything is implicated. Inflammation is everywhere. But we know, mm-hmm. we know that some of us, in fact, you know, painfully, those, that, those of us who have active inflammation, you know, aggressive inflammation happening may not convert our EPA and DHA. And there's, so there's some sort of disruption in the mechanism that's not allowing the production of the resolvents to happen. And so that, so, so, so there are two things in my mind, a, we obviously have to be using resolvents then. I mean, we can use them acutely. I do all the time in practice, but I also think there's a place for just taking them background along with EPA and DHA while you're getting to the bottom of the, you know, the, the inflammation issue, you know, getting the, the patient back to balance. That's um, what I think about in my general plans really for almost any kind of condition. So everything's associated with inflammation. But my question is, what's the disruption that doesn't allow people, that inhibits the production of resolvents? And then I want to talk about, you know, what you're seeing in your, Actually, in your research. Actually, several levels that we can identify. One is, as you point out, where your nutrition is absent of the omega-3. Mm-hmm. The other is a genetic predisposition yeah. of uh-huh. dysfunctional receptors that are that are the GPCR cell surface receptors that recognize the resolvents. And the third is the um, the the loss of specific enzymes that are involved in the biosynthesis, and that's what we can recognize now that would lead to failed resolution and and going on to, let's say, organ fibrosis. Wow. But what I can tell you that we are working on right now, there's a secret because the project we haven't published on yet. (laughs) But but I'll tell you that we're really looking at the impact of uh, environmental agents on resolution now. And they're all disruptors. So so identify those. Yeah. So this, uh, you'll see, you'll see new things coming from us uh, on that note, hopefully within the next calendar year. Okay, that would be fabulous. Can you, can you, can you mention any of the key disruptors? Can you do that yet? Not yet, but you can, but we're studying things that are very prevalent in the environment and uh, 
and and I've been down to NIEHS, the National Institute of uh, of Environmental and Health Sciences, and they're excited about good the work and resolution. And I'm I'm hoping that we can we're working with with first class um, nanoparticle groups to help us. Uh, peel this very complex onion apart because it really gets also to the environment. But let me yeah. let, let. Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. I have a question for you. How much time do you spend ordering functional lab tests for your patients? I bet it's a lot. Ordering from multiple lab companies for hundreds of patients can quickly turn into hours of admin time but there's a new way to order lab tests I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests you normally do from companies like Dutch, Vibrant, Genova, and Great Plains, and so many more. Imagine you're ordering a hormone panel for a patient that includes tests from three different labs. You have to log onto three different websites, place separate orders, come back weeks later to check on tracking numbers, download results, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa eliminates all of that by having all ordering, tracking results in a single place, and they also order, handle invoicing, uh, tracking shipments, automated follow-ups, personalized instructions for completing tests, and much more. The best part about Rupa is that it is free for you. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com, and join a live demo or sign up to see how it works. Now let's get back to today's show. Megan, tell yeah, me tell me. Actually, tell me your back. So tell me how you got interested. And then and now you're focusing in cancer and um, inflammation resolution using SPMs. Yeah, give me your story. Yeah, I was a college student and I was interested in biology. I was interested in cancer biology and a close collaborator of Dr. Sturhan's, Deepak Panagrahi, had come and presented in our class about his kind of preliminary data actually with Dr. Sirhan. He was talking about using SPMs as an adjuvant therapy in addition to chemotherapy and surgery in mouse models. And his data that he had presented just my class was fantastic. It was absolutely amazing. And I thought, wow, maybe this is really what I want to do after school. So I ended up being a research assistant in his lab. And our kind of main project was looking just at that, understanding why is it that tumors come back after patients get chemotherapy or surgery. So mm -hmm. understanding those mechanisms, which of course, one of the main drivers was inflammation, kind of secondary to chemotherapy or surgery. Um, and then using the SVMs as an adjuvant therapy, which was a really exciting project to work on, especially as someone just out of college. Um, I actually very vividly remember, I'm sure Dr. Sharon does not remember this, but I remember it was with, I had worked in the lab for about a year and we'd come to his lab meeting, which at the time was like very big, very, um, you know, formal and academic, and I was presenting my data, which I'm sure for nobody else there, you know, they're postdocs, you know, really impressive backgrounds were really listening. But I remember I gave the presentation and I thought afterwards, wow, if I can present in front of Dr. Sheehan, I can present in front of everyone. And even now, like now I have presentations, I still actually think back to that moment. But yeah, it was really great. So we had, um, I worked in lab for a couple of years. I went to medical school and I did 
some dedicated research time where I actually came back to kind of finish up our studies. And then now I'm currently a general surgery resident at Brigham Women's Hospital. Well, in between, um, there was a big publication with U.S. First yeah. Author. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was. Yes, there was a, gr- a really incredible opportunity to work on that project and certainly has kind of set the foundation for how I now view actually my current surgical training and how I see diseases, I think, a little bit through a different lens than we are more traditionally thought of or taught um, in our textbooks is kind of field of resolution information is so pertinent, particularly for surgical outcomes. I mean, it's really, if I think of like the main things we're thinking about all the time about patients coming back after surgery, it is all related to the resolution information and typically how it's failed. Um, And now I'm back in the lab and again, very grateful and honored and surrounded by incredibly smart people um, in the Sirhan lab looking to translate our previous work into patient data. So awesome. Can yeah, you, so, I mean, I know that anyone listening to this, again, that's, there's a lot of clinicians here are wanting to translate it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what can we do? <laughs> and I think in functional medicine, in this integrative model, we're, you know, we're working with diet and lifestyle and sleep and stress, and we're yep. making sure people's nutrients are, are inadequate supply. And we're, 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 we're everybody starts with fish oil, really, you, you know, virtually all of us, unless, you know, there would be an allergy or something impeding it. There's, I, I've never, a, a human has never presented to my practice, not in need of, of fish oil and, and vitamin D probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing all of that good under, you know, that good foundational work, but I, you know, are I mean, would you suggest in certainly in your cancer patients, but I'm curious, I mean, are SPMs indicated for all of us? I mean, since we can get pretty good quality product now of those potent precursors, I mean, are they really indicated for all of us? It's a great question. I think, yes, I can certainly say from our previous studies in our animal models, I would say we used SVMs both as an adjuvant therapy and actually also as a pre-treatment. And in both cases, they did prevent tumor recurrence in our mouse models. And it was like, pretty incredible. I mean, in the space now it's, there is really limited. I mean, our therapies for treating tumor recurrence, particularly solid tumors are still limited to the main kind of touch points, which are radiation, chemotherapy, and surgery. You know, of course there's been like incredible um, advances made, particularly immunotherapy and targeted therapy, but really the cornerstones are still the same that they were 50 years ago. Yes. Um, And so our work- transplant. Transplants, yeah. we're going to do something. Yeah. But I, I just have to ju- jump in and say one thing because this is, I think, really important for every day. The way we want to think about this, well, the way I think about it, after having spent many sleepless nights thinking about it, yeah, is that, and I learned this from the nutritionists, you know, people who have studied nutrition for a lifetime, like uh, Artemis. Simonopoulos, the woman who really validated yeah. and brought us the yeah. Mediterranean diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Definitely. so I think of it as resilience, right? The way that our body pushes back of that little challenge every day. So if you get this little challenge and you have no resilience, no mm-hmm. biochemical resilience to make resolvents locally and clear mm-hmm. up that little pimple, Repeated challenge is going to bring us to 
the disease states that we're at. That's why I've become right. so interested in the environmental impact. And yeah. so the I so in that you can hear that I think as as this is a part of healthy nutrition. Yes. We, we need mm -hmm. to do this. We need to do it for, for kids. Yes. And I would like to see those studies as quick as we can. You know, there's a scientist who I follow out of University of Kentucky, Bernard Hennig, who his work is around looking at the influence of nutrients on um, modulating the impact of toxins. So, so he, so specifically, mm -hmm. he's looked at PCBs and omega threes, mm -hmm. and you can mitigate the damage from PCBs with omega threes, which I think is, you know, hopeful and important. Mm -hmm. You know, just in, and he looks. He was specifically looking at the eicosanoid cascade, but yes, but you evaluate. And there's a nice paper from the CDC West Virginia group that came to visit us here just before the COVID and shutdown, <laughs> where they show the resolvance, helping to clear, you know, these in the impact of, of nanoparticles on amplifying inflammation. Awesome. Awesome. You know, um, we, we can't measure, well, you just gave me the recommendation that the fact that we can go through Wayne state, their lipidomics panel, and it's not a horrible price point. Uh, we'll put a mm -hmm. link on that in the show notes, folks, for, for those of you who want to start looking at resolvents and some of your patients, I think it's absolutely indicated for some of us. I mean, if we're making adequate resolvents, no need to supplement. In fact, you're absolutely right. I wish that we could do like a resolving dipstick like you do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think that will come. Yeah. You know, people like Bill Harris. Yes. Uh, really advanced uh, the field a great yes. deal with his simple blood. Yeah. Blood. The omega-3 index. Easy peasy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and really qualify that so well. The LCMS MS based quantitation is moving very quickly to the clinical sort of utility, but it's not as turnkey. It's not as mm -hmm. easy as people. It takes an expertise to be able to read it. But my it's hope is that in the future, cardiologists will be able to look at a LCMS tracing, functional medicine, <laughs> yeah. look at mm -hmm. the tracing and say, Oh, yeah, like reading it like an EKG, you can tell what a person needs. But I do want to yeah. make one molecular point to you is that I don't no longer consider fish oils to be equivalent to EPA and DHA because there's a lot, and if the commercial material that's available, there's a lot of other things present. And I've done analysis in my lab and I've found mm -hmm. stuff off shelf fish steroids in it and all kinds wow. of stuff so so as we better at purifying at, at commercial scale epa and dha that's what that's where it is for. okay mm -hmm. okay very good to know that's great yes okay perfect yeah yeah quality is 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 definitely an issue and, and you know i think who can do that really well mm -hmm. and this is save the planet is the um, the microalgae? So you want to look for companies <laughs> oh, in the future that are ramping up the, the microalgae, and there there are there are, and mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see some really cool stuff coming. 
So we definitely need to avoid OTC products, go for the high quality ones and microalgae. That's a cool, that's a hot tip. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, the microalgae DHA, right, Dr. Sharon? That you can get over, there's one particular one over the counter that's very good. Oh, really? What is it? Can you say? You can say on my podcast if you're okay with it. I'm, I'm super curious. <laughs> Or tell me later when I hit pause. <laughs> I'm going to get bugged about it. No, we're big lovers of menogenics. That's not a problem. And, yeah. And because we started that with the Sciotech group, who was their supplier and mm -hmm. the, the group in Spain. And, yeah. and there are many, many cap, copycats. I don't care about that. All we care about is that it's getting into the mouths of people and hopefully helping people. And where I see the biggest... Uh, impact of that is in pain yeah mm -hmm. have a quantifiable reduction in pain and I'm, yes yeah yeah you know i used it i had a patient with uveitis and she would have a very predictable prodrome it felt like she had dust in her eyes like you dust yes. she dusted the house mm -hmm. she had this predictable yes. prodrome and i would say i just told her they're safe you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think that they're by and large we could go pretty aggressively as we could with fish oil so sure. i would have her just take <clears throat> a couple you know every two hours for maybe the the first day of the prodrome and we would be able to nip that in the bud i mean she can't, she was able to wow. taper off her steroids but we didn't mess around i had her go in there and you know really Good. use them no, you're, you're on the right track. There are very nice studies uh, from groups in Italy on uveitis. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they have used the synthetic resolvents. They're shown to be very effective. Drops, right? Drops. Yes. And yeah. there's new work uh, on macular degeneration. Shows how important the E-series resolvents are. Again, from Italy. Um, <clears throat> yeah. so yes, you can be very aggressive in the dosing because we can tolerate milligrams to grams when we eat, you know, salmon and so forth. And, yeah. and yes, uh, we have not seen any, what can I say, uh, unwanted side effects, uh, in any of the experimental models going all the way up to mini pigs. Mm -hmm. that is so, that's just so terrific. I mean, I've used it in periodontal disease as well, you know, and I, I, I it will be fabulous when we have access to local and the drops and, mm -hmm. your, and you, and you, I heard you mention topical that got my, you know, cause all, all, all we have right mm -hmm. now are, you know, are the, the, the oral precursor molecules. And I really, really look forward to having access to some of these others. How do you, how are you thinking, Megan, about dosing in your, for, for cancer recurrence or, or even prevention? That's a great question. Um, I don't have a good answer for you on kind of what we're thinking about dosing, at least in humans. What we're kind of looking at is similar to what you had alluded to. It's almost like a deficiency. And I actually think, of course, Dr. Sherhan's characterization of having a resilience is a yes. really incredible way to start thinking about it. Because there, we know in so many other patient studies that there are patients for certain reasons already have baseline higher levels of SPMs and those that don't, and it's kind of unclear as to exactly who those patients are. Is it not, like, you? I'm sure you're looking at EPA and DHA and making, it's not just the quantity of EPA and DHA that they've got in their lipid membrane, it's more than that, the folks yeah, who are making it. Yeah, it's definitely, certainly also a downstream effect as well. So, um, 
But I think the way I'm starting to think about it more as I'm kind of going along in our translational studies and seeing, of course, all the really great work by people all over the world is that it is falls to me under the same umbrella as immunonutrition, which of course is a really hot topic, particularly when we're thinking about surgical patients. Um, so that's kind of how I've started to think about it. I think for me, it's like a next step in terms of what we want to look at and really doing clinical studies. There was a great group, I believe out of Japan that did, actually did this study. Um, it was, they gave patients SVMs upfront prior to surgery. They underwent a major abdominal surgery. I believe it was a panobiliary surgery and then measured levels of SVMs in subsequent post-operative days. Right. Yeah. And it was amazing. The patients who had higher levels of SVMs each subsequent post-operative day did better than their counterpoints who had lower SPM levels. And again, it was, they had been supplemented preoperatively. So I thought, I mean, it was a really great, I mean, I thought exciting study, particularly in surgical patients. Yeah. Terrific. And we've put to bed, I think, in some of these larger um, clinical trials using omega-3s that, you know, right. the bleed, if there's any bleed risk. You're absolutely right. I mean, Phil Caldor did an excellent job there because uh, he just he provided evidence to dispel that old data that, oh, yeah. you're going to get bleeding from blocking platelet activation and thromboxane production. And, and so many surgeons still believe that and ask their yes, patients to be prior to surgery, don't take omegas. But that's one of uh, Megan's mission is to teach them that that's not at all the case. And maybe yeah, they'll let is. SPM sneak in because they don't know what they are. Like maybe they'll yeah. just, you know, because oh, the yeah. surgeons who have yeah. been publishing on SPMs, they know what they are. There's some really nice papers from academic surgeons. And, yeah. you know, Megan is the future. She's a surgeon scientist. When she gets out there, it's going to change. I just, I mean, in real time still, when you're co-managing with a surgeon or, or a cardiologist, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's anxiety there and they want them to stop. But what you're saying, Megan, yeah. is that we're actually yeah. harming the, the healing process. By no, it's absolutely it. the, the opposite. We have shown very yeah. nicely and now many other groups that, that the resolve and stimulate tissue regeneration, they expedite wound healing. Yeah. even topically and surgical pain you know they're no it's time to clear away those cobwebs and get up with it okay so there are critics but that's because they don't want to turn the page to the new chapter what can i say and there's already today there's 1000 and i'm very proud of this 1000 <laughs> 632 papers in pubmed.gov on all the fantastic things that resolvents and SPMs do in animal models from groups all around the world. In, yeah. Including mm -hmm. 38 studies demonstrating by other groups taking supplementation and increasing peripheral blood SPMs. And mm -hmm. really nice papers from Switzerland where there's a nice clinical chemistry. And yeah, it's going to happen. That's it's very exciting. I know. I, I would say that it's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> because it's mm -hmm. true. You can go on PubMed 
for whatever condition you're interested in and generally find something related to SPMs like COVID. You can look at COVID. That's been studied. Mm -hmm. you, and you can look at um, even Lyme associated arthritis. Oh, you're an right. animal model. I just I heard know. Charlie pretty... Brown give the talk on that. Yeah, yes, some pretty I like... just came out. Wow. Very... I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, this is a topic. It, it's so fundamentally the resolution that I've been of Lyme arthritis. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. endometriosis <laughs> comes to mind. Just as I was talking to you offline, the, the the cases that we've done in my clinic practice where we really paid attention. Endometriosis closely. is another awesome. potential clinical indication. You're right, yeah. and mm -hmm. so is vulvodynia and uh, the pain in vulvodynia. And there are there are there are groups working towards trying to make therapeutics there. So when are we going to, so we, thank God we've got, you know, we know that we can access good quality SPMs. We, we, mm. we were at least the precursors, but when, mm -hmm. when, when in the drug development pipeline, like when do we, when do you well, think some you know, of these I are going to launch? I can tell you that in my group and with my colleagues, we've made those drug, those molecules. Yeah. And the pushback for us has been for the, the pushback is, is, is really been on the cost of goods. This was an education for oh. me. It costs so much to make because it's so complicated, the synthetic roots. Oh. But groups have already chopped that down. And today, Good. if you have to go at it, people like uh, Professor Spur in New Jersey, the people in Thetis, you know, Frank, uh, who, who's one of the founders there, is a medicinal chemist at Pfizer for his lifetime. He got onto the problem and he made it happen. He's, he made resolvents really druggable by shortening those synthetic roots. So now we just got to get the, the money to link up with in the periodontal disease. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was, as I said, safe and effective in the phase one, phase two, phase three clinical trials on, but it's still very hard for Dr. Van Dyke to raise the money to get to the next level. Of course, big mm. clinical trials cost a lot of money and the big pharma likes to hold tight on the battleships that they have rolling right now. This is a 180 degree turn. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. revolutionary. It's, it's going to happen. It's time has to come. But we'll and certainly... in France, when I was in France, there were there were groups there using the apoptotic cell approach and the uh, macrophage secretome. So in the macrophage secretome, they're throwing out not just the resolvents, uh, but the anti-inflammatory cytokines and other mm -hmm. factors that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Um, and amazing, they have approval to use that in, in patients. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, that type of cell-based therapy in this in the states, it would, you know, wouldn't happen. So it'll happen. It's just uh, taking more than one scientific lifetime. What about what about the aspirin potentiated? I mean, do you recommend a baby mm. aspirin for that reason? Like, in general, for the aspirin potentiated. Low dose for the yeah, the low dose. triggered. Yeah, so we because... found some years ago that uh, low dose aspirin acetylated one of the enzymes that changes the chirality and makes the resolvents longer acting. Mm 
and and yes, I think that that if you can get a good high or pure source of EPA and DHA, and 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 your and your doc says it's okay to take a baby eighty one milligram uh, dose every other day, if that's indicated for you, then sure, why not mm -hmm. to to crank up your aspirin because they're longer acting. And that makes yeah. them more potent. So they're longer acting because like most potent signals, even in the brain, once they communicate with their neighboring cell, they have to get inactivated. And that's what happens to the resolvents. They get locally inactivated so that we're not in an off mode, that we're in the on mode for the next challenge. But the aspirin trigger ones, they stay Around that's mm -hmm. very interesting yeah i mean that to me strikes me as the likely mechanism of action of the low dose aspirin benefit that's a 360 is what people prescribe for ra and usually two aspirins you know like 180 but in the in the states low dose is like 81 but let's i just want to be clear since i have i have you here <laughs> non-steroidal anti-inflammatories um ibuprofen, like naproxen, et cetera, are you going to actually inhibit inflammation resolution? Well, uh, you, you certainly lower the amplitude mm -hmm. of the acute inflammatory response. That's why if you take the swelling, you feel better, you block prostaglandins, but those prostaglandins are needed to turn on the resolution phase yeah. and, mm -hmm. and those non-steroidals have been shown to be disruptors of resolution in animal models and yeah. lead you into fibrosis. Here is big news. Great Plains Laboratory is now Mosaic Diagnostics. Mosaic Diagnostics is where functional medicine practitioners turn to reveal the complete picture of their patients' underlying illnesses through evidence-based diagnostic testing. Get to know Mosaic Diagnostics by visiting mosaicgiveaway.com. Licensed practitioners can enter to win Mosaic's Business Booster Giveaway. It's $875 worth of test discounts, supplements, free educational passes, and a one-hour massage for your self-care. Visit mosaicgiveaway.com for your chance to win. Now, that's where we really lock horns with some of our pharmacology friends because, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to take their drug of choice i don't want to mention <laughs> product names but you can imagine what we're yeah. talking about you know sure. I, I mean sometimes i get bruised you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to say you know don't take an acute couple of ibuprofens but it's the i, I would imagine it's the chronic use like that's right it's mm -hmm. the prolonged use and i yeah okay so i have to say this from where i live okay from my heart you know, I have two children that are active military. They take bruises all the time. Yeah. No, don't, don't take that non-steroidal. Sports, I think the kids go out sometimes ahead of time thinking if they load up on non-steroidals, they're not going right. to get banged up so much. No, right. are you kidding? You're going to make it worse. Then there was yeah. a then um, a guy named Markworth 
went after it and did a nice study with strenuous exercise in, I think it was 60 ad adults in New Zealand. He published James Markworth. That's right. He published this in physiology mm -hmm. journal showed that non-steroidals uncoupled what was called lipid media class switching and news and really wow. laid it up. They just shut it down. Now he's moved to the US and he's got a faculty position at Purdue. And he's putting out some very nice work on how resolvents are regulating muscle tone and yeah. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So uh, so cool. So so really you're saying if you can avoid the the ibuprofen even acutely, do it. I mean, you could, you know, I we we've we, we, we prescribed resolvents. You need mm -hmm. to have it, you know, there's no question about it, you know, but just limited enormous pain. So acutely fine, but prolonged, you know, they're there are prophylactically people who have RA that want to, you know, they're in pain every day, rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. and they want to take non-steroidals every day for the pain. And in some cases, some of those do really effectively reduce pain. But in the long run, you're throwing a risk against cardiovascular disease and yeah and the mm -hmm. resolvents and the resolvents themselves are very potent um our pain colleagues have shown their logo is more potent than uh morphine so wouldn't you want to have a resolvent that's awesome <laughs> that is really awesome there's a study that i cite showing that um fish oil this was fish oil if i i'll mm. have to like get your whole resolvent library but was effective as Humira for pain relief in RA, but you needed to be taking an adequate dose for a long enough duration. That's absolutely mm -hmm. right. Yes. Yeah. And there are nice studies uh, in animal models of RA and from Canada in OA, osteoarthritis with resolvents. And, wow. you know, it's the question of trying to get pharma to put up the dollars to help do the human trials. Mm -hmm. And then it's a head to head. And then, the, you know, the business guys go, what's in it for us? Uh, a head to head. Okay, if you lose, <laughs> you know, it's, it's incredibly, you know, it's, we wish the whole world, you know, revolved around scientific evidence and molecular mechanisms and increasing wellness through improved nutrition. Yeah. So it makes sense for a bacteria to be in a good, environment of nutritious environment right that's a simple experiment they gave a nobel prize to that for jacobin minode i think a, a long time ago so yeah is it so hard for us to think that we have to be well nourished and, yeah. and probably what we don't understand is that there are different compartments in the human body that require different types of of nutrients constantly mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know if you ask me do I need a circulating level of resolvent D2? I don't know. I want to know. It's hard yeah. for us to get the answer, but I would think based on my own blood, yeah, maybe yes. Well, and going back to, you know, you were talking about um, Artemis. I, I, I always feel Simino like- I, Yeah, Simonopoulos. Simonopoulos's work. She's a I pediatrician mean... who um, was at NIH her entire career and she, understands the, the genetics really well well 
I mean, I think it was her. She was certainly one of the people who talked about us evolving with a 25 to 1 you know, up to a 25 to one omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, which is like your mouse chow, right? Mm -hmm. And if, and if we were still consuming anywhere in that neighborhood, we'd be bathed in resolvents all the time. Like all of our tissues, right? So you could, so, so, so so we probably evolved to have them in, in a pretty ample supply. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. She has a table uh, that I, um, showed from one of her publications where she has the ratios of um, uh, calculated from from early evolution when we have evolved from the marine or living close to the shore and then continually going down And, 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 and how that's different in different parts of the world. And I guess that was part of the argument about the Mediterranean diet. Uh, you know. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's benefit. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah. two more questions. I want to ask you about neuro, neurodegenerative conditions and, and resolvents. Oh, and I have a little a, a story that I want to share, a paper that I want to share. And then mm-hmm. Megan, I want to circle back to you for our future, like where we're going with this. And it's like some of the science that you're excited about. Um, one yeah. of the papers that I present when I talk about um, EPA and DHA and resolvents and so forth is that is there's a um, some interesting cases. They're, they're, they're case reports in the literature, like um, severe traumatic brain injury uh, oh, yes, you know, sure. with massive amounts of EPA and DHA given, yeah. and so my so I I I, antis- I expect what I say is they're probably converting to neuroprotectins, and that's what's exerting the influence. So that's one. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But then I also I'm just curious about using resolvents and you know neuro neurodegenerative conditions, you know dementia, Alzheimer's, okay, Parkinson, okay, et cetera. Okay. So so yeah. you hit two things I I I really love. <laughs> So I got an invitation to uh, Kentucky and there's a traumatic brain institute there. And they have published beautiful work showing in animal models, repetitive injury, TBI, traumatic brain injury from repetitive injury that resolve in D1, resolve in E1 are all protective. And I, I think that that's really important important and it puts us right in to our our those that help our first responders and our defenders of our nation our military mm-hmm. we want them to have nutritional armor okay think about it yeah and so yes massive the studies i've seen those and yes the brain is produces resolvents, no question about that. They produce um, NPD1. And um, in Alzheimer's disease, I worked with the group of neuroscientists at the Karolinska Institute some years ago. And we found that resolvents stimulated the, the clearance of A-beta peptide. Oh, fascinating. Wow. So Marianne Schulzberg has continued that line of research. We put this idea that it was failed resolution, in it, but then they published something really fantastic, which is in that Alzheimer's mouse, they lose memory, right? Because they have a 
this plaque and disruption of their neural circuits, they gave a nasal dose. This is which was most oh, interesting. A yeah. nasal mm-hmm. dose of resolvents, and and the mice got their memory back. I it's can't extraordinary. believe it. extraordinary. Extraordinary. It's so cool. Yeah. So Marianne <laughs> Schultzberg's paper, you need to take a look at. Yeah. And there is a company that got started from one of the early Resolvex guys um, that focused solely on neurodegenerative diseases. And I do think there is an opportunity there because you know that just the the, the drainage system of the brain was only discovered, the lymphatic yeah, system, right. a few years ago. I know. Can you believe that? <laughs> I know. And, and, and now, the, you know, the neuroscience is saying, oh, yeah, you need to sleep so that you can flush what you've accumulated during the day. Okay, good. Well, that's what the resolvents mm-hmm. do in resolving awesome. inflammation. Okay. And um, there's very nice papers again from Japan. Why Japan? Japan, they have a very high omega baseline in their diet. Yeah, they're really interested right. in this and have very good neuropharmacology. They have presented data suggesting that the resolvents, E series and D series, are endogenous neurotransmitters they're endogenous antidepressants oh incredible very interesting so this could be the mechanism of why we've seen fish oil effective absolutely don't you feel mm-hmm. like, you know down when you feel lousy it's part of yeah. our il1 yeah, part of, sure. circuit yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a general malaise we're supposed to do that so that we don't exert ourselves and at a time when our body needs energy supposedly to to heal right it's a di- mm-hmm. divert yeah at least that's what i was taught you know but that's all you can hear i'm old school you know the, and we know that you know dha cross dha and epa both cross the blood brain barrier and and mm-hmm. are can, it, you know we have we're packed with dha i i do you know do resolvents cross the blood brain barrier as well uh well uh, they heal the blood-brain barrier. Yeah, that's I what do you said. know that, and they yeah. regulate the TNF. There's this. We've we've done that in my life. We've published on that. We've published on Parkinson's, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. But they're present in cerebral spinal. Yeah, they are. That, so are yeah, we are we, are we producing are we producing them locally? I mean, I'm sure. Obviously, I'm sure we are, but maybe well, they're also we, across. We did publish with some neuroscientists that came to work with us. Um, from the Netherlands, that the choroid cells that make cerebral spinal fluid make SPMs. <laughs> so, cool. um, and I've seen other groups publish on cerebral spinal fluid. Um, so I, I would tend to believe it that is part of the normal. But the coolest thing that I've seen, talk about measurements, okay? You want the future? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but we need the rest of the evidence. So a, a group from France and Italy just published that you could measure bioactive lipids in saliva mm-hmm. and that the saliva it can dictate cardiovascular events. I, I was like, ah. wow. So wow. wouldn't that be better than drawing blood on your patients yeah, or getting your fingers thick? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the, you know, just for your audience, just to differentiate from sputum. Sputum is, is different. Saliva. This is a secretory mm-hmm. gland, right? Mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't take much you can milk it I, I learned this from the oral medicine people and there's some very nice papers by a woman named uh, Olga Vega who's been studying resolvents on the salivary gland so the group um, is uh, Terry Duran's group in France, Montpellier, working together with an Italian group. Please take a look at the paper. It's the first of its kind. That's amazing. We, and, and again, folks, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll build as big a library on the show notes as we can. As you can see, there's many, many papers. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts, Megan, for, for the future and, you know, what you're interested in going, where, and what you see? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a really exciting time to be in the field of resolution of inflammation. I mean, it is truly so applicable to the diseases we see every day coming into the emergency department. And of course, I can speak particularly to the surgical patients. I think where I see the future going is one, having more of the medical community and particularly the surgical community really understanding the resolution of inflammation. I think we take a stance a lot of the time of just addressing the sequelae of inflammation or kind of anticipating you know, post-operative outcomes that are related to inflammation. But if we start to take more proactive stance thinking about it, I really think in the field of immunonutrition, it's gonna be a big place where resolvents and SVMs can really um, you know, participate in how we're thinking about improving post-operative outcomes, surgical patient outcomes. Um, and there's certainly, I mean, there's so much to do. I, I, every day in the lab, I'm thinking of other applications that it's just really yes. incredible. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. I mean, it really is so broad and, and, and wide. In the ICU, in the critical care. Yes. Yes. Yeah, especially when we were writing our recent commentary too. I mean, it was just every day we were kind of coming up with this other way. We're like, wow, it's so incredibly important for this disease, for this disease, for this disease. It really is a kind of overarching theme that I think has been really overlooked of how, we, how we're still kind of practicing medicine in a much more of a defensive posture instead yes. of being really proactive. Um, yes. As you're saying, like, yeah, it's an exciting, it's been a really exciting place to be um, particularly during my research times. You know, you would think that everyone that sees the data would feel the same way, but yes. obviously the big pharma doesn't feel like that, right? And it's not all about doing the right thing for humanity. It's all That's about right. making the money. bottom line. And yeah. I was talking to mm. uh, a colleague in in um, at the Weizmann in Israel, and he's saying, Charlie, they're smart. Don't think that they're not smart. Sure. He says they're just greedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, yeah. And um, you know, but the, I was telling Megan today how acutely, you know, what position we're in. It's nice to be on the cutting edge, but I said, mm -hmm. oh, you know, Megan, can't you get a, a grateful patient, make a donation? <laughs> we need a donation so we can push the ball over because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take uh, going to take these Bill Gates guys to open up and say, hey, yeah, we'll help you and move the peg forward because why do i say bill okay because one of the unexpected findings and you know what i'm going to say uh, is that the spms not just regulate the acute inflammatory response but they help the acute inflammatory response clear bacteria and viruses 
clear bacteria in front. It was totally unanticipated. It's like, wow. Anti-inflammatory treatments do what? They immune suppress. Right. Okay. So sure, Umeri is a great drug if you don't mind the risk of TB. Right. Anti-TNF therapy. Okay, fine. Uh, we didn't get enough money out of it uh, for RA, so let's, uh, let's try it for IBD. TNF. TNF is such an important molecule for host defense. Yeah. I don't want to sound too critical, but people are critical on me. I'm going to be critical back. But it's absolutely true. They're not solute. They're not long-term solutions. They're, they're not. not. I mean, this is why <laughs> you know, you know, our, our our mortality numbers are 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 getting worse and worse and worse in this in this country and around the world. I mean, we yeah. have to, as Megan says, start to engage in prevention. You know, start mm -hmm. to just we. I mean, the whole medical model absolutely has to go undergo a paradigm shift. I, Peter mm -hmm. Atia just wrote a, an awesome book that I'm that I'm tucked into, and he talks about medicine 2.0 which is what we're existing in the paradigm we're existing in and needing to move to medicine yeah. 3.0 which has mm -hmm. active patient involvement where there's you know prevention is paramount mm -hmm. you know before there's any evidence of disease or the evidence is you know strictly at the molecular Absolutely. level if, if, where it's undetectable people yeah. are talking about biomarkers okay well yeah. something's already going on why don't we be figuring out what's the best Absolutely. for normal health we don't yep. know that what the metabolism picture should look like. We only have some ranges. Artemis's book just came out. Oh, um, good. All right. I'll have yeah, to get it. On the ideal diet for, and she explains it very mm -hmm. nicely. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm sure she does. I Yeah, she's brilliant. I have one more. I just have a, a question I know I'm going to get from listeners. So I want to I want to just ask it to you. It's a little bit of a left turn. But, you know, some of these larger um, EPA DHA studies have shown in a vulnerable sort of older polypharmacy po population, the risk of um, AFib. And I, I, I don't think that you've seen AFib with SPMs, but just any thoughts on that? And I don't have any thoughts on that. Um, you know, there's Alex Leaf who has passed now. That was how he focused um, the use. He was the chair of medicine at Mass General and he was an early advocate for increasing EPA and DHA and getting the American Heart Association to yeah. uh, change their recommendations because he was a strong believer. I had a chance to meet Alex on a number of occasions and he was around even to see the early works on, on the resolvents and, and I know he thought it was cool but he and his group over the years uh, published that EPA and DHA are actually ion channel regulators. So I think in, in his frame of mind that they would diminish the risk of uh, atrial fibrillation, but I, I really right. don't know. Yeah, that's that. I think that that's right. But they, they have shown in a, a very small, like a, you know, a minority subgroup, polypharmacy, older individuals, that there may be, you know, there, there, there was a, at least a trends uh, and some significant, they did hit some significance, but still very low, very low risk and in an isolated population. I don't, yeah, anyway, I'll, I just, for the folks who are going to ping me and, and ask me about it. Well, I can tell you one thing we found with the group that's now in Florida, just quickly, we, but again, it's an animal model, but still 
it was ahead of its time. And uh, Ganesh is a cardiovascular uh, researcher and physiologist, and we found in his heart models, ischemic injury models, that the spleen sends out white blood cells. So why the spleen? Okay, spleen is a lymphoid organ in the mouse, but in, in humans, it's uh, the lymphoid organs. Send out monocytes that carry reparative monocytes that hmm. carry resolvents up to the heart and starts wow. repair and restoration. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that in the future. Yeah. And, and you know, the whole muscle regeneration, stem cell support, yes. all of that. Maybe you'll, maybe mm -hmm. you'll get your dollars from, you know, Jeff Bezos and his new Alt <laughs> Altos labs where they're, you know, all about, well, yes. actually you're at, you're at Harvard, so, you know, David Sinclair and, 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 you know, his, 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 his reversedrol. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes I'm telling you, SPM's been in there somewhere. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. Well, both of you, it was just a pleasure. Thank you for hey, you know. It was my pleasure to hear how knowledgeable you are on the field. It's really great. I know that you're delivering the best information. Well, thank you. Wow, that's an honor. That's a real honor. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's important information. I am a dedicated, mm -hmm. committed. Uh, you know, mouthpiece for, for the work that you're both doing. So thanks. Thank you. Amazing. Good thank luck. you so much. As always, thank you for listening to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where because of my sponsors, I am able to bring you the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. Not everybody can be a sponsor on my platform. So I appreciate the good work, the relentless research and the generous support from my friends at Rupa Health biotics research, and integrative therapeutics. These are brands I know and trust in my own clinic, and I can confidently recommend them to you. Visit them at rupahealth.com, bioticsresearch.com, and integrativepro.com. And please let them know that you learned about them on New Frontiers. And if it's not too much to ask, I would really appreciate a thumbs up or a kind review wherever you're listening to New Frontiers. Thanks.